1: The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts.
2: The Telegraph Total Football Podcast. In association with Lion Trust. Specialist fund managers.
3: Hi there podcast fans, I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Total Football. Thank you for joining me on this, the only football podcast brave enough to say with total confidence this summer football is coming home. Today we'll unpick England's spectacular 6-1 demolition of the mighty Panama and decide that nothing bad will ever happen to this country's football team ever again. Some people might say that's getting a little bit carried away. I'll call those people what they are. Traitors. We'll speak to Jamie Carragher, who gives us the lowdown on set pieces so far in Russia. Why have they become so important? What are teams doing differently at this tournament? And how defenses can guard against dead balls? Plus a chat with Jason Burt, one of our team of reporters in Russia, about a surprise Gareth Southgate appreciation society that's sweeping the nation. But first, back here in the Telegraph's audio recording facility, I'm joined by our friend from the north, Luke Edwards. Luke. How are you?
2: I'm very well. Obviously, not sent out to Russia, but very, very pleased to be to be here with you, Tom. I
3: was going to ask about that, Luke. It's unusual for you not to be at one of these tournaments. How different is it watching, um, basically, more as a fan than than as a sort of journalist covering it and having to shift around yeah. the country?
2: Uh, can I say I've really enjoyed it? Uh, I think I've, you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have. I have really, really enjoyed it. it it's has been nice to be back here and getting excited. I mean, I have watched so much football over the last week or so. I might be heading for a divorce, um, but this is an England team. I believe it's possible to like without too much uh, force. You know, you don't need to force yourself to like them. They seem like a really good group and and the games so far have I was really impressed with them against Tunisia They were actually, in, particularly in the first half, I thought they were fantastic. One of the best performances I've seen from a 45-minute performance from an England team at a major tournament for a long, long time. And then to cap that all off, today with a pretty diabolical panama side it has to be said you know I, I am allowing myself to think actually do you know what we might win this thing
3: <laughs> wow going for it I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear you're sharing my uh slightly why bullish, not overly why, bullish, why, yeah. why
2: not why not why can't we why can't you know I, it's so easy it's, it's sort of trendy now isn't it to to, to believe or fear the worst whenever the international team is concerned. And yes, I, I understand that. I've been conditioned in disappointment. My entire football-supporting life has been, one, basically, disappointment. But if you can't get excited after a 6-1 win, two wins in the first two games, I think that's the first time that's happened for a long, long time. I'm not going to name the year. You might be able to do that for me, Tom. But it certainly hasn't happened very 2006, often. 2006, I think. 2006, yeah. Uh, no, I was no, 2000. no. Was it 2006? Who, yes, it was first, 2006. It was 2006, yes. yeah. I shouldn't have doubted it myself. Was. It was. Uh, I was there for that. I was covering that tournament. There are bigger and tougher tests. There are probably better teams out there than us. If you can't get behind this England team, I don't think there's going to be an England team, you, you can get behind it in the near future. So exciting times.
3: Absolutely. I know it's only Panama and they were awful on Sunday, but how many times have we seen England struggle against similar opponents? You mentioned 2006, the Trinidad and Tobago game, for example, that was a real struggle. How many times even in this tournament have we seen teams struggle in similar situations? What does it say about England, uh, how they've come through these first two games?
2: Well, I think that's it. I mean, you know, people keep saying, well, it's it's only this, it's only that. Well, yeah, but if you if you are aware of your history of England at major football tournaments, I mean, two years ago they lost to Iceland. So, you know, let's not get carried away about the names of the opposition or how good or how bad the opposition supposedly are. They they should have thrashed Tunisia and and would have done if they'd have got the two either of the one of the two penalties they should have been given for the fouls on Harry Kane. That could have been three or four nil. They've brushed aside Panama today. With far more ease than Belgium managed, you've seen every single team in this tournament. All of the fancy teams have struggled to break down a supposedly lesser opposition. So they've been very, very impressive. But it, I keep going back to: this, there's a likability about England at the moment that I just I can't remember going back to. You know, the Golden Generation—they weren't particularly likable as a team. But they had a kind of arrogance about them, and and then fell flat on their faces time and time again. I don't even think. If England were to, you know, get knocked out in the round of 16, you know, that would probably still be a failure. I think we would say it was a failure. If they get to the quarterfinals, if they get to the semifinals and they fall short, I still don't think you would dislike this England team. I don't think there's anything to dislike about them. You know, I like watching England play at the moment and I, I don't think I've been able to say that probably for, for the best part of a decade.
3: The finishing was noticeably improved from the Tunisia game against Panama. What else impressed you about England against Panama and how they took the game on?
2: Just ruthless. I mean, just it was. was, We are the better team. I actually thought they started pretty badly in the first sort of five minutes, but it was just how ruthless they were. They they crushed them. They, I mean, they, you know, they they absolutely crushed Panama. it's been a long time since England have done that in, in any sort of international match, let alone at a major tournament. They completely outclass them. The thing that really excited me—it's not just the set, you know, the set piece goals that are never really going to excite you, I don't think—but but Jesse Lingard's goal was absolutely fantastic. I mean that. From the way, you know, I don't think many people have mentioned Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling isn't in form at the moment. He's, he, he's for his lack of ability to influence games for England, like he does for Manchester City, is a concern and he's going to have to in moving into latter stages. But his link up with, with Lingard for, for that goal. If any other team in the world had scored that, we, you know, we would have been applauding them and, and talking about how wonderfully, wonderful technical players they had. That is a goal of, of the highest, highest quality, the Jesse Lingard one. And I think that really stood out. And then you've got, um, I, I like Jordan Henderson. I've not always been able to say that. I think Martin O'Neill, one of our columnists at the, the Telegraph, made a very, very good point this week. He's He has come on in leaps and bounds under Jurgen Klopp. And, and it just again, he's unfussy, but he does all of the unhidden work and in that formation, as the one person who, who sort of links defence, who sits in front of the defence and links, sort of dictates the tempo of the way the team plays. Actually, in that position, I think he has matured to become, you know, one of the best in the world. It, and I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. If you'd asked me a year ago, two years ago, would I ever say that about Jordan Henderson? Absolutely no way would I. And he's doing a lot of the unseen work that is absolutely vital for the way that that team plays. And it also, if you look at the the age of that team. It's a team that can only get better over over the coming years as well.
3: Bit of an accidental hat trick in the end for Harry Kane, but is he now going to go on and win the Golden Boot?
2: Yes, I say yes very confidently. England are going to have to, I think, the, a Golden Boot winner. You're going to have to get to the quarterfinals. I think the way the draw is is opening it's, up. It's for probably only reward. two
3: more goals from though, isn't it? Which will do it. That's historically Quite normally possibly,
2: enough. Possibly, yeah, yeah. And the, I, and the way he is, his record for England has been captain is absolutely fantastic he's in form he's got that pressure you know he he scored in a major tournament he's not only just scored in a major tournament now he's scored five, you know he's scored five goals in a major tournament now i will just add a little note of caution i was a bit worried about the defending against both tunisia and uh, panama there's a mistake in that back three walker
3: especially seems to be making more unforced errors than you would
2: Maguire like and, and stones also today giving the ball away just a little bit sloppy and England's, can be got at, I think, defensively. However, having said that, so can Germany on the basis of this World Cup, so can Brazil, so can Spain, so can Portugal, all of the supposedly top teams, and certainly Belgium, who they're going to play in the final group game. They can all be got at defensively. So I don't know if that's something too much to be worried about. But I do think there are going to be a lot tougher tests for England ahead, and I just think they're going to need to be a little bit tighter at the back. The other problem England will have as they go on in this tournament is that the rest of the world, and I don't think this is an exaggeration, they're going to sit up now and they're really going to start taking notice of England and they will start talking about England as, as potential winners of the tournament. That's just what happens in, in tournaments. You know, The team that scores as many goals as they have and has started the tournament as well as they have, you know, they, they get talked about like that and teams will be looking at now how to stop England's players, how to, how to hurt England. Loftus-Cheek in
3: for Deli was the only change for the Panama game, despite the Steve Holland team sheet incident. Would you stick with the same team for the Belgium game?
2: I think he will change it around a bit. That's going to spark debate, uh, I'd imagine. I think Roy Hodgson did something similar, didn't he, in the last game of the Euros. Ahead of the Iceland game, he changed things around. I think the way Gareth was talking today is he wants to. He thinks they're going to need the entire squad the longer they go into the tournament. So he wants to give some of the players who haven't played a chance to play. It's also very dubious whether you want to finish first or second, or questionable, should I say, about whether you want to finish first or second in the group because of the pathway with Germany quite likely to be finishing second in, in their group. It's impossible to say, really. I don't know. There's pros and cons to all of it, isn't it? If if England win the game and they play, you know... Or Even if they lose the game, but then win their round of 16 game, then win their quarterfinals, finals, they want to care about it. I I just think the balance of the squad and keeping everybody happy in that 23-man squad, I think Gareth probably realistically needs to to change things around a little bit, and I expect he will do. Just
3: looking ahead to the Belgium game on Thursday, they saw off Tunisia 5-2. How concerned should England be about Belgium?
2: Belgium are a better team than England on paper, for sure. Uh, Man for man bigger stars, better players, bigger reputations. They have got a history of being flaky at, at major tournaments. I mean, they lost to Wales and, as we all know, the Euros two years ago. This isn't a knockout game. I would much rather be facing Belgium in the final group game than, than in a knockout game. I have to say I think I would be very worried if we were playing them in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals. Of course, it's going to be a, a more accurate barometer of where this England team are, how they play, but We can also go into it, relaxed. The result, because it doesn't really matter, there's going to be pros or cons if you finish first or second. I don't suppose it really matters if we win or lose. And I I, I suspect England will hold their own. I would still fancy Belgium to be World Cup winners over England on paper. But just the way things are building behind this England team, the way things seem to be falling into place, the fact Harry Kane, the captain, is in such great form, the fact players like Jesse Lingard are performing, they are growing as a tournament team and, for the first time in a long time, it does feel like things are falling into place at the right time for England. And I really do think, and I, I do have money on this. I do, I've got money in them reaching the semi-finals at least. I, I put that money on before the Tunisia game, and nothing that's happened since has done any made me think for any reason that I've wasted my money. I th- I think they'll get into the last four. That's the
3: spirit, Luke. What about the tournament as a whole? I saw some infidels on social media before the weekend saying there's not been a good World Cup so far. I've been having a lovely time. Whose
2: side are you on? Well, as, as I said at the top of it, I've had a great time. I've really, really enjoyed it. I don't think it's been the greatest tournament ever, but it's been, it's been a typical World Cup. There are some games where you sit there and you think, oh, God, this is pretty dire. But then, you know, for all of those, there's been some real high drama. I think you've probably had at least one game a day where it's been a really, really good game. Spain-Portugal was, was one of the best group games that I can remember in, in my lifetime. You've had the drama of, of you know Germany losing to Mexico. And then you had the drama of Germany last night uh, against Sweden. You've, I, think, I think it's been a typical World Cup. Now, my fear for all World Cups is actually the group stages tend to be better than the, the knockout games because it becomes so tense in the, in, in the knockout stages. But I think it's been a perfectly good World Cup. And we will only be able to judge it probably, I suspect, in, in another sort of week and a half, two weeks, when, once we get the final group games out of the way and, and the first knockout games, then we'll get a true reflection of it. There's out of the way, season. Luke.
3: Don't talk about it like that. We don't want the group stage to end. Well, it's the best bit. Oh, well, OK. Sorry, bad turn of Don't afraid, wish but,
2: away the World Cup, Luke. Well, I wouldn't want to wish. I might have to do some work again if um, once the World Cup's ended. So um, is, it, is it a, it's far too early to say it's one of the all-time classics or a vintage World Cup. I guess that's what I'm saying. But it, it's been good. And... And it's had some real high points in there.
3: Some scares for Brazil and Germany, as mentioned, against Costa Rica and Sweden, respectively, in the last games. Both of those teams got it done late on in the end. Do you expect them to both come through now and start to fulfil their potential?
2: I do, and I don't, I don't think either of them... Okay, I'll use the word vintage again, I don't I don't think Germany are as good as they were four years ago. I thought they were extremely fortunate against Sweden to get that win okay so they've got a big huge slice of luck of course they have the best teams make their own luck perseverance kept on going germany always find a way yes they do and yes you'll be stupid to to dismiss germany i but i don't think they are as good as they were four years ago i, I don't think they're a great team brazil i think it's the same we've seen argentina's problems all of the big spain have got problems. you know spain have played well but they have you know, Iran pushed them really close. I think all of the favourites can be got at. And I, again, that's, that's why I still think things are sort of falling in place for, for England, because England weren't particularly fancy when they came in, but they've, they've played as well as any of those big teams so far, if not better.
3: Anyway, back for Argentina, do you think that defeat to Croatia was just desperate, wasn't it? Messi said he doesn't want to retire from Argentinian uh, football service, which he has already done, of course, until he has won a World Cup. He's running out of time, though.
2: Yeah, very ordinary team. That's, that doesn't look like a happy camp. You do, you do have to wonder whether they've been thrown that lifeline, the fact that Iceland couldn't beat Nigeria. I think that's... I really wouldn't be surprised if they then got into the knockout phase. I don't think from what I've seen, there is a great team at this World Cup at the moment. I don't think there's, a, there's an outstanding candidate to win it. And that makes it exciting, because I think you could probably say there are six or seven teams who have the sort of equal chance of, of being world champions.
3: Finally, Luke, obviously we've talked up England who would qualify as a dark horse. What about teams like Croatia, possibly even Senegal? I know they only drew with Japan on Sunday, but they've looked quite decent. It is opening up a little bit, isn't it? We could see some surprise names in the later stages.
2: Yeah, yeah, surprise names. I think we'll go with Croatia, definitely. With that midfield, they've got fantastic... Demolished Argentina, and I know Argentina aren't the best. Argentine, I keep saying word "vintage" in this as well. I had a little sneaky liking for Uruguay before the tournament began. They have a little bit of defensive steel, and they obviously have Suarez up front and Cavani. I would, I would, I would put Uruguay down as a semi-final team at this stage. Uh, I think Croatia could well join them in terms of of dark horses. I just I, with with Germany and Brazil the two favourites not looking great. I, I honestly do think this could be this is a very probably one of the most open World Cups we've seen.
3: One thing's for sure, it's going to be a really good third place playoff this year. Last week on Total Football we called this the World Cup of penalties. This week, after another round of games, we're broadening our horizons and calling it the World Cup of set pieces. Telegraph columnist Jamie Carragher is with us now. Jamie, we've seen plenty of goals being scored from free kicks and corners in this tournament. Has that been a product of good set-piece taking or is it more poor defending?
4: Well, listen, I think you can look at it uh, both ways, whatever way you want to look at it. Normally, I'd look at it probably defensively, as uh, that was my position. But I think watching England today, you can only give a credit to the players for executing it. But there's no doubt there's been a major plan on the training grounds with Gareth Southgate, Steve Holland and... I mean, the set pieces of how it's come off, I think it has been absolutely fantastic. I think what we saw today, certainly the one with the second one for John Stones especially, was one of the best, I think, free kick routines. We'll not just see in this World Cup, one of the best you'll see for a good while, really. And also the movement on the first one from John Stones, everyone creating space for him. Ashley Young blocking his marker on the edge of the box. I think it's been brilliant to see the way that's, you know, gone on the training ground because it's not easy at international level really don't get the players as often, but when you get a tournament that's your one chance as a manager to really work like a club where you're there with them day in, day out, and you can work on things and I think we can see not just in the performances but also the set pieces how much work has been getting done or quality work I should say getting done on the training ground
3: yeah the stones one for the first especially impressed me it was almost like a basketball screen wasn't it Ashley Young uh, setting it and uh, someone rolling off it when you do those routines can you only do them once in a tournament is that it now for that specific routine for England
4: well I did think about that a little bit watching the game against Panama and no disrespect to Panama I always think if you've got a great set piece plan or a way to work something and maybe save it for a better team, because without those set-pieces there, still think you'd have been quite comfortable beating Panama, but maybe it was something that they, they saw that they could exploit against Panama individually, and there may be another plan against Belgium to do a certain set-piece, but I've always been of that belief that don't, don't waste set-pieces when you don't really uh, need to use them, save them for when they you know, it's really vital against better opposition, but we've seen you know two goals from set-pieces. In the first game, is Harry Kane. These were totally different, John Stone's being heavily involved, although he was heavily involved in that first one against Unity for Harry Kane's goal. But hopefully there's another plan for Roberto Martinez in Belgium.
3: Is this just total pragmatism from Gareth Southgate? Because it is something you can control when you don't necessarily have lots of options for creating chances. I mean, you look back through the stats, I think it's 72 corners before this tournament England haven't scored from and it's three now already in this tournament. It's clearly been something Southgate's worked on.
4: Yes, without a doubt. I read a report that he, he was he's a big, I think, basketball fan and how they block people off in and around the, what what is it called? The, the, the key, uh, circle, the, the key. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> but how you create space in, in those areas, and that's obviously similar to a penalty box, really trying to find space in there isn't easy. A lot of it is movements blocking people off. But listen, we can, Gareth Southgate and Steve Holland can tell people where to go, what runs to make, who to block off if the delivery isn't right. It, it all falls apart. So the most important thing is delivery and getting it in the right area and then hopefully those players have done what they've been asked and up until now, they have. And I think that'll be a major part of Roberto Martinez and Belgium's team to talk how to stop them set pieces.
3: What about rephrasing that question, turning it the other way around? How did England stop Belgium? De Bruyne is going to be an obvious risk.
4: Well, that, that is a problem going forward. What England have done is they've, they've maximised set pieces and VAR, which I think has been a major bonus in this in this tournament I think it's worked really well. Uh, England obviously probably surely got a couple of penalties against Tunisia but they got one today. I think what will happen now is this tournament I think at this moment is, is is the penalty set piece tournament and England have played poor opposition. So when you play poor opposition you very rarely get around your box, you very rarely get set pieces because of that reason. Once you start playing better opposition, start with Belgium they're probably going to have as much possession as you. They're going to be in and around your box as much as you. And they're going to have as many set pieces as you. So then, is the referee looking at England players holding people up? Obviously, you'd be daft to do that, considering what's going on in the World Cup, but Hazard with penalties. Now, there's just so many penalties getting given in this tournament. I think it's not so much going to be a problem for England, but it's something that they have to look at, that they maybe haven't had to worry about so much playing Tunisia, playing against Panama. So, what they've had going the other way in terms of set-pieces. I think they'll have to defend them a lot better because you still have to look at Panama, how poor they were today, and that they still score the goal from a set-piece and a poor set-piece, and a few minutes before they should have scored another one. They're getting very few set-pieces and still causing England problems. So If Belgium get the first year and you've got people like De Bruyne Hazard on the ball around the box with dead balls, it could cause England a major problem.
3: Finally, Jamie, do players enjoy practising set-pieces or is it seen as a bit boring?
4: Well, it's always been said players don't like standing around, but it's a major part of football. I think every season, you look at the Premier League, even tournaments, it's always 25, 30% of goals are scored from set-piece. I think it would be even more, maybe in this tournament, really, how many it feels like have, have gone on at different times. So it's it's worth that you have to do. But when you're getting the rewards on the pitch it proves that it's successful That's more than from the players that they buy into it even more on the training pitch. I think, as you said before, how long it's been since England had scored from a corner at a, at a major tournament probably shows that when we were involved in doing the work, people were thinking, well, we're not getting too much else here on the pitch anyway, so maybe the enthusiasm levels for it drop slightly, but I don't think there would be any problem trying to get the players on the, uh, the training ground to get something sort of a Belgian, considering the success that they've had.
3: Let's hope not. More from Jamie in Monday's Daily Telegraph paper and online right now. Thanks very much for joining us, Jamie. Thank you.
2: The Telegraph Total Football Podcast in association with Lion Trust. Specialist investors who help you head towards your financial goals. Independent thinkers who have the courage of their convictions to make investment decisions. Remember, investments can fall as well as rise.
3: Jason Burt had the rare honour of witnessing a straightforward England victory at a major tournament in person on Sunday. He was in the press box in Nizhny and joins us now. Jason, how did the England players and staff seem after this match?
1: I think we're trying to turn to the euphoria because clearly, you know, they were playing against a very weak opponent in Panama. But at the same time, this is the biggest ever win in World Cup history, the first time they've scored more than four goals since 1966, I think, I'm correct in saying, and only the third time that an English player has scored a hat-trick at a World Cup. Now, everyone will talk about the weakness of the opponents in Panama, but you, the little cliche goes, you've got to, you can only beat what's in front of you. And beyond that, they were quite a, a physical team, Panama, and it was a very, very hot day here. And I think the manner in which England went about the victory, getting those five goals in the first half, and you know, a couple of those goals were just terrific goals, the healing guard strike, and, and the, goal, the second goal for John Stones was a really well-worked free kick. We'll really please them. I think there's a real buoyancy around the camp and a real sense of, dare we say, a bit of a momentum behind England for once.
3: Is it just a continuation of the good vibes from the Tunisia game or does it all feel a little bit different now after such a big win, even if the opponents weren't up to much?
1: People might just think this is strange. I almost think it's better because so much of what they worked on the training ground worked today. Gareth Southgate was interestingly quite downbeat in terms of the result. He said he didn't really like a lot of the performance he didn't like the way they started, obviously these pleased with the goals and didn't like the way they finished. But at the same time, I felt this was, you know, not even a potential banana skin, but it could have been a turgid match. I've seen this kind of game so many times before with England where they really have struggled to break down a physical and defensively well-organised Opponent and, and yeah, Panama were, were a bit chambolic at times, but I think England made them chambolic. And I think we've got, there's a danger always that we have it talking too much or talking down too much. And there's a real sense I mean, obviously, I've been in Russia for a couple of weeks now. There's a real sense of excitement around England and this England team. And dare I say it, Gareth Southgate himself, because after the press conference yesterday, the my press conference, I was interviewed by three or four. Uh, foreign journalists who are just fascinated by Southgate I and mean, what he's doing with his England team, not just on the pitch, but the way he conducts himself. So I think there's a real, there is a real good feel-good uh, factor around England and a real good vibe around them. And we shouldn't play that down. You know, it's about time we had this. We've been through so much disappointment, so many turkeys and terrible tournaments and so much sort of paranoia around England, both you know, from the fans, but, but certainly from the team themselves, that this is slightly different now and we've got to try and build on it.
3: What is it about Southgate that fascinates the foreign journalists so much? Is it his waistcoats?
1: No, he genuinely fascinates people out here. I mean, there are lots of people who think this is a really you know, interesting guy. He's got interesting things to say for himself. He conducts himself brilliant with the media. He's got a young team that you know, they don't know an awful lot about. When I, when I arrived in Russia, people were only really talking a little bit about Harry Kane. But England team itself, although we, we think the Premier League goes around the world and everyone knows every single Premier League player, that's not true. The Russians aren't that bothered about England. They're getting more interested now. But I think Southgate has conducted himself brilliantly. And I've I've maintained for some time, he's a perfect manager for international football. He's got the right combination of, you know, the management skills, the the coaching skills. But also he understands the system. He understands the FA. And he understands the need to bring through young players. And those young players do look up to him. I think he's almost born to it.
3: There was noticeable booing and jeering when England were on the ball, certainly at the start of the match. Is it fair to say that the locals haven't completely caught three-lines fever quite yet? They seem to be siding with the Panama team.
1: Absolutely, and that was also the case against Tunisia. I think there are not many England fans out here, and notwithstanding what I was saying about the Russian thing, they're getting a bit more interested in England. I don't blame them for getting behind Panama. It's much more a fairy story, Panama in the first World Cup and so on. Obviously, they could, clearly they'd like them to do well against one of the big nations. And I, you know the the stadium, one of the issues is obviously around uh, this World Cup is you know, the very small number of England fans who've travelled. Lots of them have been put off by clearly by the, the fears of trouble and, and the cost. I think the Koningrad game on Thursday will be interesting. I think quite a few more England fans are going to try and come over. And there will be, start to be a bit of a scramble for tickets. But, yeah, but certainly I mean, the Russians are going to always back uh, Panama over England.
3: Has there been any change in the media relations between England and, uh, and you and your colleagues, Jason, after the team sheet photos were published uh, last week?
1: Yeah, listen, that was a, a really good, legitimate story that was carried by the media. I think the social media reaction has been appalling. I think it's been disproportionate. I think people have completely misunderstood the story. I think some of the former players who, who weighed into it should hang their heads in shame. And I think some of them are realising that now that they are reacting to people like Danny Murphy didn't understand the situation at all. Listen, I've been around England for long enough to know how to know the score. There was no ill feeling at all between England, the FA, and the media over this story. There might have been a couple of years ago, and I think what was interesting yesterday, that Gareth Southgate, having said something on Friday, which he didn't quite mean the way it came out. And was more, it wasn't, it was misreported. It was more that he didn't quite frame his own not answer correctly. He clarified everything yesterday. He understood the situation, and he diffused it completely. And that helped everyone, not least the FA, because the last thing we need now is some sort of developing seed mentality. The phrase I absolutely hate, seed mentality, just doesn't mean anything. It kind of makes for them and us situation. Nobody wants to go back to those days with England. The media relations are very, very good. Everyone understands we're here to do our job. We're here to get stories and to write positively, if we can, and it's worth it. Not, it's not just for the sake of it. And I think any sense of like, well, we've done something for you, you owe us. We don't owe the FA or England anything. They don't owe us anything. We are doing our jobs as journalists, and we will write it as we see it. But obviously, at the same time, we are predisposedly positive towards this group because they're trying. And that's all we can ask. They're trying to make things better. The FA they're trying to make things better. England are trying to make things better and the media are playing a big part in that.
3: Finally, Jason, how much more enjoyable is it covering England at a tournament like this when they're winning and playing well?
1: It absolutely it's more enjoyable. There's kind of, again, there's a kind of bizarre sort of scenario that people think we like, we want England to fail, we've got it into the team, we want them to do badly. No, we don't. I've covered England at many, many tournaments and it's a soulless and, and quite crushing experience to, play, to watch them play poor football, for them to be, you know, going into, the say, the siege mentality approach, they kind of freezing on the big stage. Nobody could have enjoyed it. When they lost to Iceland, it was drama, but it wasn't enjoyable drama. You don't sit there thinking, I want to watch a car crash. You know, and that's what it was. What's, what we want to see is, you know, we want to see a bit of momentum with this England team. We want to see the nation get down. And one of, one of the greatest things I heard this week was that 21 million people watched the chemistry game back home. That is just fantastic. And that is brilliant for all of us. It's brilliant for the media. We don't want to be writing into a vacuum that people don't care about England. People keep telling me all the time that all that matters is the Premier League. And I don't buy that. I never have bought that. I think if the England team do well... With a fresh bunch of players, and we write about it well, and we cover it well, and the media does its job as well. Then that's good for everyone. And from my point of view, I want to be reporting on a successful team. I don't want to be reporting on a team that's failing time and time again. Because at the end of the day, what more can I say? We've had so many sort of you know post World Cup and post European Championships sort of post mortems of what went wrong and what we didn't do. I'm sick of writing about that. You know, I want to write something that's positive, but worth worthwhile as well. And I think. Whatever happens now in this tournament will come out of it thinking, look, England are finally, finally finding finding a way to go forward. And that's all we want from them.
3: Fantastic, Jason. Go and recruit more people to the Gareth Southgate fan club (laughs) in Russia, please.
1: Okay, no problem. Thank you, Tom.
3: That's your lot for this week's Total Football. We'll be back with you on Thursday night following England's final group stage game with Belgium. Contact me on Twitter if you'd like to. In the meantime, it's at Tom with an H Gibbs. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Search for Total Football. You'll work it out from there. Our theme tune is by Polvo. Navigate to MergeRecords.com to buy their back catalogue. Thanks to Abby Patterson on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon.
2: The Telegraph Total Football Podcast in association with Lion Trust, specialist fund managers.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer.